What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the Nightman Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. Rob, the last thing I did was speak to you, and the first thing I'm doing this week is speaking to you. The so world of I would, football. I would ask how it's going, but I, I'm guessing I already know. Very similar to how it was going when we last spoke, Scott. So, uh, yes, uh, both reflecting off the back of a Manchester United victory. And it's nice to start the working week, isn't it, like that, where we've actually got a win to talk about through the week rather than another defeat. So, yes, uh, it, a not-so-bad start to a Monday morning. Big week ahead for United. Got Galatasaray away in the Champions League, which... Do they need to win that, Rob? I mean, like, kind of. Do, do they? Do you think they need four points from the next two? I, I know that I won't guarantee them a, qualify, a qualifying place, uh, but they they certainly could do with a win. Let's just say that. Well, rather than just te- talking technically about points, I think they just need to keep winning. Yes, like this. Yeah. They, 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 they are a confidence team, aren't they, Manchester United? And you know that as soon as there's a defeat, even a draw, sometimes Scott gets broached like it's a loss doesn't it at United you know I saw some City fans saying that actually for their game against Liverpool they they drew against Liverpool and they were like oh it feels like a defeat I was like you don't know what defeats are you're at the top of the table what you know you're treble winners you're okay um but I think for United yeah that game in the Champions League um it's imperative you get the victory against Galatasaray if anything just to make Galatasaray feel that they haven't got one foot going into the next round. So uh, we all know, don't we, last day of the Champions League, it's by Munich. So, yes, I would say you probably need a victory. I think... Sorry, I'm just looking at this off the cuff here. United can't... If United lose, they're out. Right. So you definitely need to win. Uh, so they they can draw. Kind of. they, yeah. they can draw. Um, but they, they do have to take at least four points from the next two games, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, we're here to... Uh, look ahead a little bit to that game, a little bit to Newcastle, because we'll be talking about how Man United build their team, because obviously, um, I'm sure you caught it if you're listening to this, Uh, but we did do uh, an immediate post-match reaction to the 3-0 win at Everton, talked about Kobe, talked about Garnacho's goal, uh, talked about the problems United have progressing the ball still when teams come onto them. Eric Ten Hag did say in his post-match, actually, that after United scored, he said at halftime, you, th- you think you've won that, along those lines. And wow, I can't believe it. These players, again, thinking that they've, you know, and they were mu- he, he complimented the way that they came out in the second half after a talking to. The fact that you have to give them a talking to time and time and time and time again, mm. you know, how, how many times, you know? It's, it's a funny anomaly in football, Scott, where like the man boys of professional football end up having to get be treated like children because that's that's the psychology there is at half time it's like oh we've done all right haven't we you know here we are we've won the game it's like well no you haven't lads and you need to reset that is part of the manager's job so I'm glad he kind of said that out loud because these players do need reminding of it don't they constantly about what they need to do the work Eric Ten Hag says every week almost, if we stick to the plan, we're okay. <laughs> so that's where you are, isn't it? I'm sure they'll be going into training day off today, probably, but they'll be going back into training, getting ready for, for the next match. And he'll be saying exactly that. He'll be like, you know, you did well, but, and you have to kind of keep that tone, I think, all the way. One player who did stick to the plan was Kobe Mainu. Uh, so we'll be talking a little bit more about him because I'm seeing that we, we obviously Talked about him uh, on the on the show yesterday. 
player of the match for me, player of the match for Rob. Uh, didn't actually get it because Gary Neville gave it to Garnacho for his goal, which was incredible, by the way. <laughs> but in, in terms of the general performance, I think keeping it simple, doing what the manager wants, I think Kobe did it. And more of that, please. And if more players can follow his example, maybe United would be better off. But um, today, I think we'll we'll look at a general overview. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about Kobe because I know that um, a lot of people knew how good he could be. But there's also a lot of fans, uh, as evidence in the reaction to the game, who didn't actually know too much about him. So we'll talk a little bit more about Kobe. We'll talk about Garnacho's goal a little bit more as well. I think the way that the show is going to go is more in the uh, more in the direction of reviewing the academy prospects. Mm. We'll bring Hannibal into that. Uh, I know you want to talk about Dan Gore, Rob, mm. um, but Marcus Rashford as well is struggling. I think he he, he was not uh, he didn't play well yesterday. He did not play well yesterday. He's not played well for most of the season. You can see that this something weighing him down and. Everything that he's doing outside of that penalty is not really coming off at the moment. And uh, when I say everything, there was a, there were a couple of instances yesterday where that cross for Garnacho at the back post, which uh, went just wide, hit, hit the side net, and you know these kinds of things. But he's not looking like he was last season, to say the least. But we'll we'll talk about his form and talk about the academy prospects in general. So that's the direction of today's show because I think they're going to play a big part in probably the next few weeks and the next few years, obviously, because United have a tradition of uh, bringing through Academy products and it is embedded in the club's DNA. So, mm. uh, yeah, subscribe wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube, The Promise Santa Man United Podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment and hit the notification bell so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU on X as well. Uh, Rob, Kobe, to start with then... Mm. so he was he did everything he kept everything simple he did everything right maybe a couple of things you can pick out you know where we didn't exactly get everything spot on but in terms of i look at him and i think that there is an example of an archetypal modern midfielder in the modern game who is able to do everything that a lot of other clubs have and I'm 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 putting Kobe in a in a box there of like brandishing him a modern midfielder, but obviously he's got a hell of a lot of talent, and United need to foster that, and United need more of what he's going to bring. And it it sounds ridiculous to say, kids eighteen, uh, hey, twenty nine year old, do what he's doing more, you know. Um, but let's talk about Kobe. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna spit uh, spitball Rob about him because? Uh, Anything that you want to mention, uh, you know, how long has he, how long have you known about him? Youth team player, uh, part of the youth cup run. He's got a couple of goals in that. I think mm. we talked about him on this show. I can't remember exactly when, but it's been a while. Well, I think during that youth cup run, which is obviously what propelled Garnacho to, to like the edge of the first team, obviously scoring those goals in that run up to winning that trophy. The, the sleeper hit really was Kobe. You know, people, we, we saw Kobe from, from the age of like, we've seen him since he was 15, 16 years old. Um, he was always one of the younger bunch of the group, of the youth team. Um, and it was always like, oh, give him a few years and, you know, maybe. Now, that wasn't a few years ago. That was actually quite recently. I think the whole thing, Scott, is that... that uh, we we are a club, haven't we, with the tradition and the blueprint of youth that hasn't particularly produced a lot of successful young players for a long time. So, you know, you talked about Marcus Rashford there. Marcus is probably the most recent one, like in terms of maybe becoming a regular first-team player. You look at Kobe Manu, your question has to be, can this boy be a starter? You know, and I think, again, I could understand a year ago, two years ago, people saying, well, we shouldn't be talking about 17 and 18 year olds in this manner. But Scott, if they're good enough, you know, you have to let them off the leash. You have to teach them quickly and let them learn on the fly. And you have to push them because they are good enough. And Jude Bellingham is a really good example of that. Now, I know people will say, 
Jude is an exceptional circumstances here in terms of a player. He went to a good club in Dortmund, like we said this in our no, last show. No, but like, sorry, I'm interrupting you there. Huh? Remember when they retired his shit? Yeah, I know. We, we all laughed at that. <laughs> well, ev everyone did. Like, I'm not being well, funny. We know why. Yeah. I knew about, like, how good he would be. Yeah. You know, like, back then, I, I spoke to him the week, I interviewed him the week mm. that he moved to Dortmund, you know? Yeah. And obviously, there was a lot going on around him and that kind of thing. And you can, mm. you can hype players up quite a bit. But usually, there's a reason why. And I, I think what me and Rob want to say is, this has been a long time coming, actually, not just off the cuff. Yeah, this isn't like pre-season, and let's talk about that, because I think that's where people say it. Yeah, we've said it as well. You know, you, We know Kobe had a good pre-season and was ready to be in the first team ready, oven cooked. But the truth is, this has been almost like years in the making. So when we see that debut at Everton and what he did in that performance, there isn't a surprise for me. Like, I watched that. I wasn't surprised. Because he just did what Kobe Manu does. That's what he is. He's that kind of player. He's composed. He's intelligent. He can play through the numbers. He can play the 68 and the 10. And he always looks like the most mature player on a football pitch, Scott. And he's a baby. He's young. But you let these players off the leash. You go do it. So, like you just said there about Jude Bellingham, I think people caught up with Jude Bellingham quite quickly when he went to Dortmund. And obviously, you know, they go to the Bundesliga, don't they? And they rip it up. Like you know, Jaden Sancho did that as well, didn't he? He goes there. You become a huge star very quickly. Your, your price inflates massively. But it's not like we only knew about Jude Bellingham the day he signed for Dortmund. You know, Jude Bellingham was at Carrington twice with negotiations to move to Manchester United for what was a big fee at the time, people thought 20 million or whatever it was. And I was saying 20 million is like peanuts, like pennies, pay the 20 million and get him to United. Now, I do also understand that going to Dortmund was probably the right move for him, of course, for his career. But United could have pushed that deal, could have executed it, could have got him to the club. <clears throat> we could then be talking about Bellingham and Manu together as a, as a future midfield. So England will be lucky enough to talk about, have that conversation in the future. I think with Man United, you just said it there, Scott. You know, Kobe Manu is the modern midfielder. Go buy some modern midfielders. Go find them. If you can't produce them at home, then go and look into the transfer market and go and find them because they do exist at 18 and 19 years old. And the important thing is don't buy and block their path. Mm. And I think that I'm quite conscious that, you know, Ten Hag has had a plan with my, with with Kobe here because I'm sure well, I know everyone doesn't really take much uh, stock in preseason, but it was a big thing for me that he was starting matches at the start of preseason. I agree. He started yeah. against Arsenal, played really well up against Declan Rice. I know it's a preseason match, but you know that's your testing ground. That's that's had him that's in his pocket. That, yeah, absolutely had Declan Rice in his pocket. <laughs> played against Real Madrid, got injured, so. For me, and I said this on the podcast yesterday, Kobe would have played a hell of a lot more minutes than he has this season had he not got injured already. Yeah. Already. Like, we probably would have been having this conversation about whether he's a starter in the first team two, three months ago if yeah, if he was fit. Uh, and I knew this, we both knew this conversation would be coming. He's been capped for England at under 17, 18, and 19 level. Uh, he obviously took part in United's preseason. He was a part of the youth cup winning team as well been at united for a number of years now but they have always uh always had high hopes for him and he i, I believe he's made his, made his premier league debut against leicester last season but ten hag said yesterday when asked about him that this was carefully planned out we identified this game as the one that we wanted to test him in we've made sure he's been prepped and that he's ready that he's taking on all the instruction and we spend a lot of time saying these players don't follow instruction. This mm. lad did. And I, I think when I, well, I said at the start of the podcast, why does Ten Hag have to go in at halftime and say, hey, just a reminder, you haven't won this game yet. Stick to the plan. Keep doing what I'm telling you to do. Don't just lump it forward. You know, think under pressure, uh, use the ball smartly under pressure, this kind of thing. And we might have more chances. United played a lot better in the second half. Uh, but for me, Kobe's a blank canvas. You know, he is uh, something that you can work on. He's not yet been ruined by 
the engulfing mess that seems to get every uh, Man United player, every Man United signing, all of this kind of thing. But the difference is now, this is coming at a moment where, fingers crossed, United are going to change course with how they're planning. So Hmm. Kobe is, he's been on the fringes for a while and it's just so encouraging to see that now he's had his Premier League debut, had his Premier League test. He's not going to play 90 minutes of every single match, but I think he's very much in the first team picture now. And for me, it's take him off when when he needs to. But if you're giving him the chance and he's taken it, Keep giving him the chance. Completely, Scott. And like you say, he's a blank canvas. I agree with that. But I also think, you know, he is your work of art now. He is He's here now. Kobe Manu has arrived and he is ready to play games. Um, and again, this whole thing about 17, 18-year-olds, about kind of wrapping them up in cotton wool, I actually think you need to wrap your your veterans up in cotton wool, the Casemiro's, the Varans, because they're the ones who get injured every two or three weeks, and the young lads tend not to get injured because you're physically at your, you know, you're growing and you're going into your peak years in your early twenties, so you're at a really good part of your your own physical development. I think Kobe Manu, you, I think you saw in that game, Scott, seventy minutes. He never at any point looked like he was huffing and puffing. He he came off because it was prearranged. They were obviously looking to get 70 minutes out of him. As Ten Hag alludes, you know, this is how management plan for players is they look into the future and they try and pick out games where they can have a strategy for a certain player to do a certain job. <clears throat> and I think what we saw yesterday, United playing this kind of kind of Version of 4-3-3, allowing Bruno and um, and McTominay to play the eights and to move on and, you know, interchange into the 10, that it was really about Manu's mobility in the six and his game playing from there, where your real success came from in this game, is that you had a midfielder that puts the ball on the deck and just, you know, no sweat. At all. There's nothing about his game. He doesn't look stressed or strained or worried. Again, only go back a few months or a year ago and think about Fred and think about the things that you would worry about with Fred every single week. It's not that Fred was the worst player on the planet. It's just that Fred, the ball would get towards him. It would bounce off his shin and you would get counter-pressed. Now, there was a lot of that yesterday. You'd think Everton counter-pressed United a few times, but it wasn't Kobe Manu's fault, was it? So I think here we're talking about in the immediate future and the long-term future, Scott, is that it's Kobe Manu plus one and two and three. Like, Kobe Manu, for me, is going to be in this Manchester United team. And when I say he's arrived, I think he's arrived for good. I don't think you'll be dropping him in and out. I think even if he has a bad performance, Scott, so what? Like, he's learning. You can take it for an 18-year-old. Let him learn on the job because he's better than what you've got. Looks like he's got the temperament as well to be... totally to take mistakes and hopefully anyway, I I know that we don't know every single thing uh, about Kobe, but it's just the aura that he has uh, the, there was a moment yesterday in the Everton game where I can't remember who it was exactly. might've been Bruno played a square ball right across the pitch. Uh, It was about 60, 70 minutes or something like that. And Everton Mm. were, in the midst of a press and Kobe kind of picked it up and and when he took a heavy touch, but then one Everton player came up to him, he beat them. And then another Everton player came up to him and he just tapped it round him. Cool as you like, cool as you like, cool as a cucumber. And for me, like I was looking at that thinking, Oh God, I've seen this before. And it was one of those situations where if he did get dispossessed, yeah, Everton were in Mm. and it's just, he just uh, calmed everything down, calmed everything down. And Oh my God. Calm down in midfield. How long have we been talking about that? Totally. And, and you know, it's funny how I think this is the Twitter age is that we micro-analyze everything, like even a slightly heavy touch from an 18-year-old. And it's something, and it becomes a talking point because it, it, it feels like watching Ghosts of Manchester United, all the things that we've been talking about for 10 years, isn't it? But I look at Kobe and I just think that you have to let him grow, you have to let him off the leash and you have to teach him. And you have to say to him, do you know what? If you make a heavy touch this week, don't worry about it because that's not who you are. That's not your game. And we already know that at your age, you know, you're a teenager. Yes, I'm going to talk about it with some of the older players because I think when you're 28 years old and you're doing heavy touches every every week, every game, then that is something that is something 
there's like a stigma behind that. Do you know what I mean? Well, with Kobe, I, I'm more than happy for him to go and have bad games in the United shirt. If that happens, so what? You know, I feel the same about all the young lads. I include Hannibal in that. When Dan Gore finally gets his proper chance in the team, I feel that about Garnacho. You know, on the left hand side, is that he scores that fantastic goal. But do you know what? If you don't play Garnacho, Scott, that goal never happens. Yeah, that that Scott McTominay running onto it, <laughs> trying to get his head on it, or trying to over kick it into Rose Ed of uh, of uh, Goodison Park. So no, just a, a fantastic first look for Kobe, and I think that he is. You know, he is absolutely the real deal. And we've known it for a couple of years. We just now hopefully can see it in our first team. Uh, for those of you who might remember, there was a viral clip going around after United won the Carabao Cup where Eric Ten Hag put his arm around him. And kind of like, I'm, I'm pointing, I'm using my palm here, if you're listening on audio, like pointing around at everything. I don't know, we don't know what he exactly said, but it's, this is, I, I'd imagine it's, this is what we can achieve. You can yeah. be a part of this, keep your feet on the ground, all of this kind of thing. Because United have to, like, as much as we want to criticize United for not having plans, they, they, they still nurture talent pretty well. They still yeah. do. And as much as, like, the, the atmosphere at the club has not been the best over the last few years, they still have a tradition of bringing players through, whether you think those players are good enough or not. I think what United have here is an example of a player that is built for the modern game and could be a part of this team but like if if he's a one if he goes as a one club player i think he he can be a permanent he can be racking up a hell of a lot of appearances for this for this club do you know what it reminds me of scott and this might be a wild comparison for a lot of united fans but it's a football comparison what it reminds me of going back in time is actually when ryan giggs broke into the team and that was that you saw ryan giggs at 17 18 and you already knew that he was better than what we had. Like, he was young, he was raw, he wasn't great every week, and actually a lot of people will tell you of an older disposition that he did have quite a few stinkers in the United shirt, like he really, really did over many, many years. Um, you know, he wasn't. He certainly wasn't perfect on a football pitch. Um, but I think when you looked at, at Kobe Manu yesterday and what we've seen recently is that he's already just so much better than what we've got. Like he really is. And you have to run with it and say, well, do you know what? Well, go go make your mistakes here on the football pitch where we can see you and see you do it. And and we'll build from that. And United did that in that period with Giggs is that Giggs was part of that 91 team that won the Cup Winners' Cup against Barcelona in Rotterdam. And he was part of that setup. It was him and Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp had come from Torquay United. They were your young players who, who were better than the others, but you were having to build off them. That's how I see this current crop at United, is that not all of them maybe will break through, Scott, but this is the start of something. If you want to have a youth policy that works, it means you have to play these players. They're not just there to collect the balls in training they have to be a valid part of your tactics so Kobe Manu I think can can be a leader in this team because he already is in the in the younger ranks and and he's just so cool Scott like he just he plays the game in the way you should play it and that is don't rush be technical and don't just play long balls because you're not sure what you're doing. And that's a lot of what we see the Man United veterans do, isn't it? It's that they go longer, they kick it long, they just don't really have a an inclination of what the game needs. 28, it's difficult to teach that. But 18, you can teach that into teenagers, definitely. So Kobe could be part of this team for a while to come yet, and fingers crossed, he keeps improving, keeps his place, and develops into what people hope he could become. Let's move on to uh, Garnacho had probably, do you think that was his best moment in United shirt yesterday? The best moment anyone's had for maybe, quite maybe a while. Might, <laughs> he, he'll do well to top that in his entire career, really. He might never score a better goal again. I said that yesterday, you know, it's just the, 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 the technicality to score an overhead kick like that, an arching bicycle kick where you're falling away from the goal. Like he's got no right to score that. I think the XG on the opportunity was something like that goes in one in a hundred times. I think that it was, was 0 0.09 or something. something like, like nothing. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like taking a shot from 50 yards, you know, like it's generally doesn't end up in the net. How many times do we see people attempt bicycle kicks? I think the technicality around it is undisputed. I, I've said in months gone by that United are a moments team. And for me, that was like the ultimate moment to kind of break the ice at Everton in three minutes. 
So it'd be nice if we became less than a moment's team, Scott. Like we actually did some more constructive stuff. But that goal, you know, it's it's the goal that people will talk about for years to come. In 10 years' time, we will still be talking about Garnacha's goal at Everton. Were you there? Did you see it? How did you feel when it went in the back of the net? Just a fantastic strike from a player, I think, that's only at the real precipice, the real cusp of what he could be. Everyone thinks of him as a like left winger that jigs and dances around and can take people on. I think Garnacha could be world class. I, I, you know, Scott, I've got feelings that he could be a central player one day. I really do. Like Ronaldo went that route from wide to, to the middle. I'm not trying to make that comparison. But I think Garnacho in the box, he can finish. Like this boy knows where the back of the net is. Anyone that saw him at 15 and 16 coming from Atletico Madrid, that was the big takeaway. This boy could be a striker one day. He can finish and he can develop that. I think we're seeing that in the United team. How many goals has he scored now, Scott? Where you go, oh, well, that was tasty. That was a remember the Fulham goal mm. where, where he gets the ball and he gets into the box and he's cool like Kobe. He's not like slash at it, put it over the top of the bar. He knows his own limitations. He plays within them. So what a fantastic goal. Uh, I'm still not having the cross, though. I've watched it 10 times since. Delo's cross wasn't very good. But you make what you do of it. That's that's Garnacho that makes that goal. That goal is all his. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, you mentioned about moments players there, Rob. And yes. Yeah, I think United have too many of them. From what we've seen with Garnacho, yeah, he he can produce moments, but he's also he can also do the rest of it. But I think one mm. one of the I suppose if we're gonna talk about Garnacho and Kobe, like uh, there's a there's a difference between I think maybe there's a difference in temperament between both of them. Uh, just because like Manu is your uh, he's chill, he's calm, he's he's all these kind of things. Mm. Garnacho's a little bit more. I think they might need to. Uh, and they, they, you saw this after the game, Bruno Fernandes and Ten Hag, both doing the job of trying to keep his feet on the ground straight away. And I think that, that is something that even ever since Ten Hag joined United, remember in preseason, we were hoping, I think his first preseason one, that we were hoping he'd get minutes and then something happened. Was he late for a meeting or something like that? And yeah. obviously they've had to nail down keep your feet on the ground, keep your feet on the ground, keep working mm. hard. You have to work hard. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. And that they'll have to do that job a little bit more. But what we what we see in both of these players is like massive talent. And they'll have to foster it in different ways. But United, as much as you want them to um be able to retain the ball and to um you know recycle it and play like the best teams in the world do at the moment, you do need your Mavericks. And I think Garnacho's got that in him. So if he can strike a balance between producing those moments, but also doing everything that is required, he's another player that we, we talked about, you know, when Marcus Rashford will come on to later, he's not, not been in great form. He's still not in good form, but now what we see is Garnacho's taking his place on the left-hand side mm. and Ma Marcus Rashford's moved to the right. And to me, Ra Rashford isn't playing well enough to nail down that position. You know, at the moment. And I think Garnacho is actually the real reason why Jaden Sancho fell out of favour over a period of 12 months. So, like, we could talk about where does Jaden play or where should Jaden play. The truth is that when you look at your stock on the left and on the right, you know, you can assume Anthony on the right-hand side is something that Ten Hag's going to pursue and carry on with over a period of time because of, because of the wage and the fee and everything from Ajax, is that when you look at the left-hand side, for me, it's because Garnacho is here now. He's present now. You just said he's a maverick. I think the thing is, with Garnacho, this is the feedback we get on him, is that he's a really hard worker. He's really conscientious about what he wants to do. 
kind of Ronaldo-esque at 17-18 in the sense that he understands that he's at the start of his journey, but he also understands that he could be really, really good. Like mm. he, already, he already knows. He looks in the mirror, and when he was at Atletico Madrid, people were saying to him, you're going to be the best player in Spain. So he's been told that, Scott, since he was a, like, since he was a baby. Now, he's still very, very young. I still think when you look at Manchester United and the development of the team, we're talking about youth today, I don't think you need to put everything on Garnacho's shoulders but you're already seeing that he's much better in his defensive work. He's much better in his tracking. He, he's much better on the ball, I think, technically than, say, a year ago, where the ball mm. would you know, fly off him. And he's understanding the game a lot more. You've made a comparison there, maybe, in, in, uh, with Kobe Manu in, in the way they are, that Kobe's a bit more chill than Garnacho. The most important thing, Scott, is education. You can take a player and educate them and say, all right, you do all these things really well, but look at this guy here. Look at that guy there. This is your team. What can you do for everyone? I think the good thing about Garnacho that I like, Scott, is that he's a team player. So he's an individual, but he's a team player. He's still in worked the system. We should say he worked really hard yesterday as well, not only in the forward direction. And know. he works more. Every time you watch him, there again, those little gains. You know, we talked about Dave Brailsford and those 1% incremental gains. That's Margin, how... Marginal gains, you go, you know, 1%, 1%, 1%, trying to get 1% better every time you're on a football pitch or when you train or whatever. Is that I see that in Garnacho. I see that progression and that makes me feel good. And therefore, you think, yes, play more games. Yes, have the ball more. Now, in football matches, Scott, you're actually more happier when the ball is at Garnacho's feet going into the final third than you are Marcus Rashford. Now that shouldn't be like that. That's that's an imbalance there, but it's the truth that when Marcus gets the ball now, you know you, you're worried that he'll give it away, and generally he does. I think you see the economy already with a player like Garnacho on the left. So I think only good things for him. I think actually at home he's got more stability now, like he's had a baby recently and all of those things. So that's a big jump for a kid, isn't it? Being a father and those things, you you, you have to you know, maybe look at the world differently. Um, I made the comparison as well the other day, Scott, to Adnan Yanazai, is that when Zanazai came into the team, we were all very high on him. We wanted to see him do well. He did well for David Moyes in that first season, but he was a little bit of a playboy away from the scene. And that's what we heard immediately, you know, out and about clubs, girls, all sorts. And do you know what happened to him? Yeah, he's not a Man United anymore, is he? So there you go. He didn't, he didn't develop. So that does matter, those things. But I think when you look at Garnacho, you look at Kobe, is that you've got these two young lads who are serious. They're serious footballers. And if they're serious, you can then help develop them. So uh, that's Mainu done. That is Garnacho done. We'll talk about Rashford in a bit. Mm. Um, what about the others, Rob? Any, anyone else? Because to, to me, like, and, and I'm this is the way I look at it, right? And I'm... Maybe this is me being harsh. I'm not sure. But mm. obviously, United need to give chances to young players. I think these two are bona fide first-team players mm. for a number of years. I'm not sure about the rest of them. I need to see more personally. Um, and obviously, some haven't really had their chances yet. But in terms of other academy prospects, Rob, what? who do you think could go go and join them this season, for the rest of the season? I think the obvious one, of course, is Hannibal. So I get why the jury is out with a lot of Man United fans on Hannibal, because I think you look at the positives and the negatives, and there are still negative parts of the game. I think he's still a little bit rash. His reading isn't always there. But you know what, Scott? At his age group, because he's a, he's obviously a tiny little bit older than than the real young kids at Man United. Uh, he's been out on loan. He's an international footballer already. Is that he still has the fundamentals for me to be a really useful, good squad player. We forget about the goal he scored earlier in the season. You know, we talk about X Factor. You know, that he got the ball from like 20, 22 yards and curled it in the top corner. And that moment, I was there at Old Trafford there, right in front of him when he scored that. And, and for me, again, that felt like a moment where you say, right, this lad's got potential, but he's got more than potential. Now, I don't think, again, you can maybe compare, compare Hannibal to Kobe, but I think the progression has to be the same, is that you have to have expectations for these boys, but you have to educate them. And I actually think that, that Hannibal is a really high IQ footballer, even at his age. So he might not make it at Man United, but I'm telling you, he's going to make it somewhere. He absolutely will go somewhere. He will be a footballer. You know, we just saw, I saw when the ball went in the net on Saturday, Scott, Ted and Mengi scored his goal for uh, for Luton. And Ted and Mengi, yeah, didn't make it at Man United. 
people forget how good Ted Mengi was at 15, 16, 17. He was absolutely class centre-back. You know, a leader, future captain on Man United. He's going to go and have a career in the Premier League somewhere. Now, we talk about buying players. Could we have developed him and kept him? You know, if Mengi does well at Luton in the years ahead, are we going to go pay 50 million for him? We might do that. We've done that before, haven't we? But I think you did need I, to look at... Did I say there was a buyback in that? I hope so, because I, I was always really high on Tedden. And I think what I really liked about him was that he was a composed player, a bit like Kobe in the sense that he could get the ball from the back and he could just wander out with it and no one would get near him because he just, just ran the game like that. Now, I think he's doing really well at Luton. It's a baptism of fire for him, isn't it? At a club in the relegation zone fighting, but he scores his goal the other day. I was really pleased for him because... He's going to make it, yeah? And yet we still talk about these 18-year-olds like, oh, are they good enough for United? No, are they good enough to be professionals? That's the first thing. And then the next step is, can you develop them into United squad players? I think it's very easy to forget, even years gone by, the John O'Shea's, the Darren Fletcher's, all of these players around the squad at that time, were they good enough to be elite players? Well, they won all the trophies and the medals, and they probably were just Premier League standards. But that's what you need sometimes. <laughs> you need people that, that just do a job every week for you. I think Hannibal's got, got more than that. Like we talk about the number 10 position quite a lot. I think Hannibal in years to come, he could give you a, a kind of differential there behind the attack because he's got it up here. And I see that. And I've seen it for a long time. Um, temperament needs to be worked on. You know, he gets he makes too many little fouls. And I think that's what Ten Hag doesn't like throwing him in from the start, getting a yellow card after 12 minutes, and then your whole game plan goes to, to pot. Do I, would I rather see Hannibal play every week than say, like, Fred last year? Completely. I'd rather have a kid that you can develop that's got the intelligence. And guess what, Scott? You didn't pay 50 million quid for them. I think they paid about 10 for him a few, good few he years He was expensive. Yeah. He, he, he was expensive he, he, from Monaco, I think. But again, from that system coming through the French system, he was another player, a bit like Garnacho, where people are saying this boy's going to be like a worldie. He's got he's got that quality. Now we haven't seen that yet, but I've, I've seen enough to see that he will be a serious professional footballer. So for me, box ticked. You keep that one, even if you let him go out on loan, say next year because he's not part of your immediate plans. Please don't sell him. Keep him. Anybody else you want to mention? Well, I think you mentioned Dan Gore there at the start. I think, again, you have to wait with Dan Gore. I think he's in the growing stage. But again, another technical player who, to me, has got a little bit of the Javis about him and a bit of the Iniestas. And what I mean by that is that, yes, they're small and diminutive, but it's how you see the game. If you can see the game in slow motion and in an expansive way, you've got a really good chance of becoming a very, very good footballer. So I think Gore is the obvious one. There's other players as well. Like we see, like, Fernandes has gone out on loan and one thing or another. There, there's lots of them, Scott. We could do a whole sh whole show on these young players, but there's no expectation for those guys because they're not actually in the first team set up yet. So watch this space. I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot of them in the near future. Uh, not technically homegrown, but I do think he qualifies as club homegrown. Luke Shaw. <laughs> well, he was like they, he was 18 when we bought him, wasn't he? He was so 18, 19. so I think under under rules, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I know he's played for Southampton. I know where he came through. This kind of yeah. thing. Uh, but he is. You have to have these players to to meet quotas in in European and Premier League football. And Luke Shaw made his return yesterday at left back, uh, and just looked. You know, no, like, yeah, like Luke Shaw. United missed him, didn't they? Do you know what? They, they missed him, Scott, but they also miss his leadership because I just think he is one of those players that is happy to maybe call out people like on the pitch and off it. You know, he's the one that when United play badly, when they stick a microphone in his face, he's brutal. <laughs> he's brutal. And, and you can tell that his standards are massively high. He's, I think he has expectations for himself, but also he looks at his teammates and he, he holds them to account. I first saw Luke Shaw play for Southampton when he was 17. And again, he was one of those players you saw at that age where you went, yeah, there's something different about this boy. He's got, like, he, he looks like he's 26 years old and he's 17. Now, we know that he struggled at United for a time when he came to the club. But you have to stick with it sometimes and develop these young boys. So I think when you look at Luke Shaw, really good to have him back. I hope that he helps maybe Marcus Rashford in that left side if Rakus goes back to the left in the week's head. But do you know what? I'm not having Scott. I heard a lot of this yesterday is that, Oh, now Shaw's back. Rashford will be okay. No, it's on Marcus to look after his own form. 
you know, when, when the ball bounces off Marcus's foot, it's, that's not Luke Shaw's fault or the left-back's fault. That's his fault. So uh, good to have Luke Shaw back. Good to see him at left-back as well. But I would not be surprised after Victor Lindelof's display yesterday that we see Luke Shaw move inside into a central position in the weeks ahead because that's definitely an option for Ten Hag now. I think Lindelof. When did he join? 2015, 2016, was it? A long time ago. Well, 20, it was, I think it was Mourinho. 2017. It was Mourinho. 2017. Mourinho bought him and then benched him for six months. So he came for quite a decent fee. Was it from Benfica, was it? Benfica. Was it? I think he made that. He had a day at Huddersfield, I remember, which uh, sticks out still. I think I was there. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. Yeah, like it was like, yeah, it's not not really ready. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, that's part of the United need to plan. They need to slowly, carefully revamp this squad. And like I say, I think we hinted at the show yesterday. Um, I think there's more than five, Rob. I think there's more more than five players that I would keep for the long term. But um, maybe we'll do that show on another day. Man but, United's five-a-side team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> does Marcus Rashford make it in? Let's, let's talk about Rashi because it's... You could tell... And I mentioned this on yesterday's show as well. Like Bruno gives him the ball mm. for the penalty. Great penalty. Really good penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an isolated, you know, skill. I'm sure he's practiced loads, loads and loads. He's got a pretty good record on the penalty spot as well. Uh, but you could tell the way he reacted to the goal. Just didn't really, you know, kind of just stood there as the other players came around him. And then they made an effort to push him like go and celebrate, go and celebrate. You need this. You need this. Uh, he just doesn't. Mm. What is it? I mean, well, we, we don't want to get too deep into, into everything, you know, but like the fact of the matter is he's not, you mentioned when the ball bobbles off his ankle or his foot and mm. kind of goes out of play. It does happen occasionally with Rashford and we know how good he can be when he's on form. It's just a case of staying on form for a prolonged period of time, isn't it? Completely. And look, Marcus Rashford's got stuff going on off the pitch. We know this, yeah. But I do think that there's there are levels here about expectations. So if things are happening in your life away from your job that are out of your control or within your control and they're affecting you, your mood, your performances, then as a job and as a business, you might have to look at that and make decisions around those things and how do you help the player? And I think we do live in a culture now, Scott, especially I think here in England, where that is a thing. Like, you know, you look at people's mental health, can you help, can you can you support? And like you just said there with that penalty, you see the United players going to him. Like He looks like quite sullen and quite melancholy. And they're all like, come on, Marcus, because they want Marcus to help them. They need Marcus Rashford. They know they need him at his very best. But I'm going to say this, right? I get people, a lot of people on Twitter saying to me, oh, Rob, you've got rose-tinted glasses when it comes to the England players. So you're happy to criticise the Bruno Fernandeses, you know, the Victor Lindelofs, the Diogo Delos, because they're not English. But you won't talk too much about the Sanchos, the Rashfords, et cetera, et cetera. And it's complete nonsense because we talk about it all the time. Marcus Rashford is misperforming and Marcus Rashford is not doing his job. He's not doing his job not at the level that we need a player on £350,000 a week to do. So I think you can get real about it. You know, listen to what I'm saying about Marcus here, because this is this is the truth about him, is that whatever he's got going on away from the pitch, United are rightful, rightfully trying to support him through those things. But he's got to turn up, Scott, and be better. And do you know what? If you can't do the job, Scott, what do you do? Bench. Go to the Bench. And sit on the bench. And I tell you what, the bench is the best elixir for some footballers because suddenly they're like, I now need to go and do this. And I think with Marcus, we saw yesterday that Martial gets pulled and Marcus gets put as a centre forward. I don't actually think that helps him. You know, I don't really don't think that you have to want Marcus Rashford to be several things. You need him to be one thing. That's Marcus Rashford. But if he can't be that player, then I think sometimes you have to pull him out the firing line. That's where we are with the player at the moment. In that situation, I think it's a bit needs must really, um, given... Well, Rashford can play there. How well you think he does play there, mm. you know, that's that's up for debate. I know that certain people don't think he's any good in that position. Uh, but you got Rasmus Hoyland, who's injured, and yeah. you got Martial, who, like, uh, credit to him yesterday. Like, you know, he got his goal, 
did some good things, won the penalty, uh, but there are times where he just doesn't have that uh, physical ability anymore to protect the ball and you know dribble around players and, no. and retain it. But the looks of it, anyway, there were a few times where he was dispossessed yesterday. But that is <clears throat> the reason why you put Rashford there is because you don't have enough centre forwards, you know, yeah. who can take that on. And Rasmus Hoyland's not had the best of luck with injuries since he joined. And we know Martial's had so many injuries over the past few years that he just hasn't developed into the player that we hoped he would become. I get that in that moment. And I totally understand the technical benefit of why Ten Hag's putting Marcus Rashford there. Marcus Rashford as a number nine, every time we've seen him as number nine, Scott, is garbage. He's not good enough. So he's not good enough in his own position on the left or the right at the moment. I think putting him up top is a kind of false dawn. You had Hugel on the bench, I think, for the game yesterday. I'd have been happier to see a kid, an 18, 19, 20-year-old, who knows the position and plays it, you know, to a relative standard. Yes, he's inexperienced. But you know what you could have done, Scott? You could have very, very easily in that system United were playing put Scott McTominay as the nine, you know, like he can do that. He's played there before. He scored loads of goals for Scotland. He's loving life in the penalty box. So I think this is the whole thing with Marcus Rashford is that there is this kind of philosophical reliance on Marcus that he doesn't carry very well. Do you know what I mean? I think he's good at certain things, but if you're going to rely on Rashford for, for everything, I think he's going to struggle more. I think that's where you are with it. So totally understand the tactic disagree with it because we're not seeing any productivity from Marcus. Yes, he's fast in a straight line and that's what you're looking for there, maybe on the counter-attack and you're looking for that. How many times yesterday on a counter-press, uh, Scott, did Rashi get the ball or was in a position in the forward areas where he just messed it up because he's not he's not switched on here? So for me, it's the manager. The manager has to manage those things. He has to look at that now with Rashford. I've got nothing against Rashford if his form's not there to sit on the bench. So that's my rose-tinted glasses taken off and put to one side because we've got some good players in our squad. You've just got to use them. Happy to see Bruno play as a false nine. We've never seen that before. But why have we never seen it before? He could do that role. He's got the work rate. So uh, I think with Rashi, jury is out, but he needs to improve quickly, doesn't he? Because if you, if you have a substandard Marcus Rashford, Man United will lose, lose games because of it because you need that potency in the final third. The encouraging thing is, I guess, that we were going into yesterday's game talking about league goals and how many mm. that front three, well, the, the United's entire attack had scored one goal yeah, in the Premier League so far this season, I think, uh, before that. But they all yeah. scored. Mm. So it's amazing what, well, you never know. Like a little bit of confidence back in, maybe it'll change things, but... United quadrupled their tally from their forward line. <laughs> Three goals. And, and do you know what it was, Scott, yesterday, I think as well, is it was know-how. So, like, at least the plays that you got, have got there, you talk about Martial. That finish with Martial is a Martial finish, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Feed yeah. it into his feet, let him run at the goalkeeper. And, 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 and as soon as he was in that space, I was like, goal. It's fine. He's going to dink it. He dinked it. It goes in. Pickford gives him that moment. But I think this is why the whole thing with Hoyland is that you have to take the the salt in the wound with some of this stuff like you, he is learning and developing and you have to play him and united fans are already on his back saying oh he doesn't finish like you just mentioned there the goal record the goal record this year is horrendous he scored five in the champions league Come he scored on. five he's in the champions League. in the competition he's top scorer in the competition and for me it's still about the creative elements behind him to help him for them to teach him to say look lad make that run because we will find you Martial makes that run, Scott, because he absolutely knows what Bruno Fernandes is going to do. He reads it, you know, six seconds before. He knows he just has to make that run. Hoyland is learning that. So I'm I'm happier to, to go with inexperienced players in those moments because that teaches them what you want from him in the long term. <clears throat> right, we'll wrap it there, I think, unless you have anything finally to add, Rob. No, look, good victory. I think it could have been a very difficult day at the office at Everton after what they've been going through with their deduction. Um I think now we said you go into this Galatasaray game. It's just a must-win. Performance doesn't matter, Scott, in this. Win 1-0 off the... off. I used to say off John O'Shea's backside. Let the ball go in off John O'Shea's backside. Win 1-0. That's all you needed. That was a long time ago. So what would be the equivalent now? 1-0 off Victor Lindelof's backside, maybe. And uh, I win the game and push on in the Champions League. Yep, we'll be back later this week to reflect on... Whatever happens in Turkey, 
but United go to Newcastle next Saturday as well. So they're in a in the midst of this is where it begins the real tough grind of the mm. festive period and all this kind of thing. Games, I know they're coming thick and fast anyway, mm-hmm. but you know there's some important games coming up. Totally. And look, you know, you just said the Newcastle. Newcastle got a load of injuries. I think Newcastle are showing that you can have lots of injuries and still play decent football. So there's an expectation of a squad, isn't it? It's when you dig deeper into your squad that these players have to come and perform and do it. So I think Newcastle's foundation is working hard. Absolutely. That's where it all comes from. Completely. That is where it comes from. They know they've lost some of their flair. They've lost some of their talent. But talent doesn't win you games just because you've got talent. It's work. It's technicality. It's how you you put it all together. And, you know, credit to Eddie Howe. You know, I look at that game. I'm still worried about it because I say that Newcastle are in better form than Man United. So, United, that will be a huge challenge for them. I'm not surprised if they actually bring it against Newcastle, though, Scott, because there is that kind of needle between the clubs and, you know, you, you, you're competing against them. It's it's easier to have a bad day at the office against Luton Town than it is against Newcastle. They need to, uh, they need to avenge the defeat they had at home in the League Cup. Yeah. They also need to stop that rotten, rotten run of games away from home against teams in the top half of the table they need to they need to fix that and it's one of many things you know, I need to fix but anyway uh, we need we'll to fix this everything <laughs> we'll see you later this week everyone uh, for another promised land pod post uh, Galatasaray subscribe wherever you get your pods watch us on YouTube the promised land and Man United podcast like the video leave a comment subscribe hit the notification bell as well so you never miss a show and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X IG and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at Promise and MU on X as well. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Let's hope United can win more matches uh, moving forward and uh, hopefully some new Academy products who can help us along the way. Until next time, everyone. See you soon. It's been the Promised Land. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.